0: So, here we are in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10, and we're here uh, in a passage that really some people love, and they get really excited about it. And others are just kind of there, and others probably have different questions about it. But over this year, I know I've spoken with many of you about our study, and, and really more than a few of you have expressed an excitement about getting to this, this uh, study on spiritual warfare. And and I'm not making any judgments about this, but over the years, I really have found that people uh, come to passages on spiritual warfare in different ways. Some love this passage and some love the language used, Uh, swords, helmets, shields. I don't know if any of you grew up going to VBS, but I know I always like in VBS when they would go through the, the armor of God, I was like, pick me to be the sword, like let me handle the sword. You know, don't please don't give me the shoes. You know, I'm not really interested in that. I want the shield or the sword. And, you know, as a boy, I was like, yeah, that's what I like. A lot of us like battles. The popularity of movies like Star Wars are there for a reason. People go, oh, man, that was a great battle. We like Top Gun. We like war movies. There are people who like, we, boy, I think I'm getting, kind of showing you what I think about these things. Yes. The Hobbit, the Blue Angels. We like air shows. We like fighter planes. Many of you like guns and ammo, and the bigger the better. For some, talking and learning about the armor of God is a topic they really, really love. Now, others in our postmodern world where we think we're educated and we think we're smart, they look at this and go, What? Swords? This is antiquated and old. Swords, shields, helmets. That doesn't show strength. Strength and security come from technology. Drones, lasers, tanks and helicopters, missiles. That's what I'm talking about when we're talking about strength. That's how you fight a battle and win a battle. Can you believe how old the Bible is that they're still talking about antiquated tin and metal? Then there's others who don't view this passage as relevant in any way, shape, or form. They don't want to speak of battle or warfare. There are those who st- think and state aloud that the problems of this world are simply psychological, relational, economical, or political. Spiritual life means nothing to them. And often I think too, that a trap that w- We as a church, not we as Grace Bible Church per se, but the church in America, I often wonder if we fight our battles in the wrong area. We spend great effort fighting political and social battles. Do we fight and contend with the gospel and for the gospel? You see, battles, as Paul is saying here, they are spiritual. And often we can lose fight, and things that we should fight for as citizens don't hear me wrong on this we should be responsible citizens but first and foremost I think we often lose fight that the battle belongs to the Lord and the battle is spiritual let's take abortion should we fight for the right of life for the unborn absolutely without question with great effort we should But what ultimately will be the greatest cause for abortion to drop and even by God's grace end? Young men being godly young men and young women being godly young women and coming to Christ and allowing the Holy Spirit to control their lives. When we're filled with the Spirit, sin ceases. Now will we ever be done with this on this side of heaven? No. But what ultimately will be the greatest cause for change in a society is the gospel. And it is not a president. It's not our Congress. Again, be responsible, but don't lose sight of the fact that our battles are things we don't even see. There is a battle waging and raging for the hearts of the people. And they need to turn to God and then What do we see? A powerful, powerful change. Some of you know this. How have you changed since you've come to Christ? I know for some of us, there's miraculous sanctification that has taken place that apart from Christ, you never, ever would have changed on your own power. Because it's a spiritual thing. So this passage is relevant, even though the world would say it isn't. Friends, we need to know who our real enemy is, and we need to know our enemy so that we stand strong in the Lord. So I want us to remember this as we do an introduction to the conclusion. This passage is timeless. It's ageless. It is 100% relevant for us today. This passage is is extremely relevant for Grace Bible Church in the transitions that we are in. You see, we should not and we do not need to replace the armor of God with updated weapons. We don't need a bazooka of righteousness, a machine gun of truth. See, Paul was listing very specific items to prove a point and to teach us truth. This is about protecting the body. The armor covers specific parts of the human body. And it may sound funny, but oftentimes people mishandle scripture too often. And they want to modernize this. Don't fall into that trap. This passage is timeless and ageless. And it's timeless and ageless because humanity hasn't changed through the years. No. The spiritual needs of man have not changed and they will not change. Don't forget, our enemy was in the garden, and he's also active today. Believers in Ephesus and believers in Hollister, California, have the same need for Jesus Christ and his power. We need his power to work within us. The church in Ephesus 2,000 years ago needed Jesus Christ. The church in Hollister, California, we need the power of Jesus Christ. And also, here's something interesting. This passage is ageless because the language used is strongly, strongly influenced by the Old Testament. Now, Paul just said that he's an ambassador in chains. And there very well may have been that he is writing these things, looking at a Roman soldier wearing armor. But you can't miss the imagery that we're going to see in the Old Testament Many times the Old Testament refers to God and it refers to the Messiah who's coming as a warrior. And his people are his troops, his soldiers, who are under his command and in need of his great strength. Exodus 15, verse 3. The Lord is a warrior. Yahweh is his name. Psalm 18, verse 39. You have clothed me with strength for battle. You subdue my adversaries beneath me. Contend, O Lord, with those who contend with me. Fight against those who fight against me. Take hold of shield and buckler and rise for my help. Draw the spear and javelin against my pursuers. Say to my soul, I am your salvation. Psalm 35, 1 through 3. Does this sound passive in any way, shape, or form? Can you read that quietly? You can see that the psalm writer is crying out, contend, Oh Lord, with those who contend with me, fight. Do you say something? I mean, this is a cry for battle. You've seen these movies where Mel Gibson's running up and down. Maybe you haven't. I, boy, you get in trouble saying movies and Karen's shaking her head at me. You've seen, ba- <laughs> You've seen movies. It's a battle cry. Hey guys, let's go into war. Fight. Let's fight. Let's go. Do they whisper? No, they get the adrenaline going, they say, fight, let's go to war. And here, the psalm writer, says to my soul, I am your salvation, save me in battle. The Lord advances like a warrior, he stirs up his zeal like a soldier, he shouts, he roars aloud, he prevails over his enemies, Isaiah 42, verse 13. Look at this language. As we talk about those who proclaim the gospel, Isaiah 52, 7. How beautiful on the mountains are the feet of the herald who proclaims peace, who brings brings news of good things, who proclaims salvation, who says to Zion, your God reigns. You see how great this is? There's other verses in the Old Testament that show that God and his Messiah also wear the items that we see. Listed in Ephesians, Isaiah eleven five. Righteousness will be a belt around his loins. Faithfulness will be a belt around his waist. Isaiah 49, 2. He made my words like a sharp sword. He hid me in the shadow of his hand. He made me like a sharpened arrow. He hid me in his quiver. See, understand this. This passage in Ephesians is drawing on passages in the Old Testament that pointed to the nature of the Messiah, that pointed to the nature of Jesus Christ and his mighty works and the mighty ways of Jesus Christ. And so, we get to this passage on battle and on warfare and it's bringing the book of Ephesians to a great and an awesome conclusion and the passage is a reminder of what we've learned this past year about Jesus. This is a summary reminding us of all that God has done, of all that Paul wrote. He's summarizing this, and he says it. Finally, I'm finishing this up, but finally, after all I've written, after all that you've read, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. You guys remember how this letter started? In chapter 1, look at verse 19. When Paul says to be strong in the Lord, actually we'll start at, uh, well, I like context. So let's just read. Ephesians 1 let's look at verse 15 for this reason because I have heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love towards all the saints I do not cease to give thanks thanks for you remembering you in my prayers that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ the father of glory may give you a spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of him. Having the eyes of your heart enlightened, that you may know what is the hope to which he has called you, what are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints. And look, and what is the immeasurable greatness of his power towards us who believe, according to the working of his great might, that he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand. In the heavenly places, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion, and above every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the one to come. Finally, be strong in the Lord. Do you remember? And what is the immeasurable, immeasurable greatness of his power towards us who believe? We cannot measure the power that we have in Christ. I would say this though, you cannot measure the power that you don't have apart from Christ because apart from Christ, you have nothing to measure, you are powerless. You see, in Christ, what has happened when we've been taken from death to life, when grace enters in, this immeasurable power comes upon us that we can't even know Fully, Paul is praying. I pray that you know and you grasp this. And you can see according to the great might. But what is this power that we have? It's resurrection power. The power that raised Jesus Christ from the dead. Is that weak? There's nothing stronger. Our mighty God, we put him on. We put on Christ and we have a resource in him that we can say yes, Finally, we stand strong in Jesus Christ. But man, without Christ, our knees buckle and we melt like wax at a fire. Because without Him we have nothing, but in Him we have everything. It's amazing. Chapter 3. Verse 16, that according to the riches of of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through your own strength. No, through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith that you being rooted and grounded in love may have strength, there it is again, To comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth. And to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. You see, when Paul here says, finally, he's saying, don't forget where we've been. Our final passage here, it reminds us that Christ has triumphed over the powers of darkness... It reminds us as it said in Ephesians 1:21 that Jesus Christ is far above all rule and authority and power and dominion. We know that through the church the wisdom of God is known, is made known to the enemies of God. That's in chapter 3 verse 10. And we know now that we have new life in Christ. We know that we formerly walked in darkness as we saw in Ephesians 2. With all this we also know that we have not yet experienced though, the full fruits of Christ's victory. So we are in a battle. When is that completed? In heaven. When God takes us home or when he returns. Until that time we were in a battle. But know this. Be strong in the Lord and in his strength. Our passage shows us and it reminds us that though the enemy is defeated, their power still exists and there is a battle that still rages. And so we are reminded in our passage to live lives that reflect Christ's character and isn't that what we just saw isn't that what we've been learning as we've studied Ephesians what we're to put on put on the new self put on Christ you see there are virtues that reflect Christ's character that we are to have truth righteousness peace the gospel we're to be proclaimers of the word of God we're to tell of salvation we're to have faith And so these virtues that are connected to the armor of God, they've already been proclaimed in the book of Ephesians. Truth, Ephesians 1, 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. Chapter 4, verse 15. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ. We've already talked about this. We learned this. Verse 25, chapter 4. Therefore, having put away falsehood, let each of you speak the truth with his neighbor, for we are members of one another. And we talked about that. As ones who follow Christ, if we are not truth tellers, how do we have power in the proclamation of the greatest truth that we have? Jesus Christ came to save sinners. So let us be people of truth. Righteousness. Chapter 4, verse 24, just to hit one of them. And put on the new self, created after the likeness of God in true, there's truth again, true righteousness and holiness. Wow, this is a book of grace, isn't it? I mean, isn't Ephesians a book of amazing grace? But don't ever let it escape you that we are called to holiness. Grace propels us and fuels us to have lives that are pleasing to God. And the world says, you're different. You are a people of truth. You're different. You're righteous. And we know it's because of Jesus Christ. Remember in chapter 5, therefore do not become partakers of the sons of disobedience, for at one time you were darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light, for the fruit of light is found in all that is good and right and true. Peace. We know that we now have peace with God. In chapter 2, verse 14. We saw this, for he himself, Jesus, is our peace, who made us both one, and has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility. And he came, verse 17. Actually, no, let's keep going. By abolishing the law of commandments, verse 15, and expressed in ordinances that he might create in himself one new man in place of the two, so making peace and might reconcile us both to God in one body through the cross, thereby killing the hostility. That's hostility with one another, but it's ultimately more important that we are no longer enemies of God. We are no longer sons of disobedience. We have peace in Christ. And the gospel is to be our theme. Chapter 3. This mystery is that the Gentiles... Our fellow heirs, members of the same body, and partakers of the promise in Christ Jesus through the gospel. Part of the armor, part of what we live is the gospel. We proclaim the grace of God. We stand on the word of God. We focus on salvation. And we have faith in our great God. And our concluding passage also reminds us of this it reminds us to pray, it commands us to pray. Remember how we saw how Paul prays for the church? I pray that the eyes of your heart would be enlightened. I pray that you would know who you are in Christ. He's saying, I pray you know your power that you have in Christ. And he even says, pray for me. Paul prayed for boldness. He prayed for the saints. He prayed for strength. He prayed that the gospel would be proclaimed and that the gospel would be received by by those who hear. We also see this, key words that we saw in Ephesians, put on. Paul is telling us to put on the full armor of God. And he told the church earlier, put on the new self, be imitators of God. Now we are to put on the armor of God. And you know what it is when we put on the armor of God? Is to put on Christ himself. You see, we are identified with Christ, so we fight with his strength and we display his character. And you see, I want us to understand, as we're going to dive into this a little bit more, I want us to understand that I don't think this this passage is an instruction that's somewhat popular to pray on the armor every day. Now, I don't know where I ultimately end up on this, and if you're one who prays on the armor, I'm not calling you a heretic in any way, shape, or form, okay? Just understand that, but I don't know if that's really the point here. In fact, when it says to put on the full armor of God, it really has a meaning in, in the Greek that it's once for all time. It's like you receive the armor and it, and it stays. So I really do believe Paul is saying, put on the armor of God, is saying, put on Christ. This is what you have. Know it and live it. You don't lose the armor. Does that make sense? You have Christ, you have the armor. He said, put on the new self, be imitators of God. See, we're identified with Christ, so we fight with his strength and we display his character. And I want us to know this. This is, again, putting on Christ, just like in Ephesians 4.24. Put on the new self, created after the likeness of God and true righteousness and holiness. Again, Paul is saying, know who you are in Christ. How important is that? If you don't know what you have, if you don't know the power you have, it's like, what if you got a Ferrari and all you did was put it in first gear? Hey, you like your car? It's a little slow. Well, you realize it's got eight speeds. You want to maybe crank it up a notch? Oh, I didn't know it was there. Now, we we think that sounds silly, right? How many Christians tend to wallow and live in weakness because they don't know what they have in Christ. Open it up. Put the pedal down. Stand firm in God. Step out in faith. Let's see what God can do. I, you know, it says in scriptures, do not put the Lord God to the test. I'm, I agree. That's good, isn't it? Good to agree with Scripture. But what does he say to do? Come to me in prayer. He says to proclaim the gospel. He says to be sowers of the word of God, to plant seeds, to go proclaim the gospel. Let's start doing what God has told us to do that we know he's on our side and let's see him work powerfully because he will, because that is who he is. Oh, we need to know what we have know who you are and live as one who has this quiet, strong confidence, not in your own strength, but in Christ. Remember, we have been blessed in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. Peter said it this way, seeing that his divine power has granted to you everything pertaining to life and godliness and the true knowledge of him. Let us be a church, let us be a people, let us be individuals who then gather collectively as a church, who use the resources that we have in Jesus Christ. Let us be a people who live in hope, who live in victory. We don't need to live in bondage or in fear. We are in Christ. And so I know that much of today's introduction, but again, understand that this is not an afterthought of Paul. This is a remarkable conclusion to an amazing letter. You know, in chapter four, all the way to where we've been in chapter six, verse nine, we've been given instruction how we're to live with the great challenges that we face. And we face challenges day in and day out, don't we? Or am I the only one? We're called to unity within the church. We are to live as those who are new in Christ. We're to put off the old and put on the new. We are to walk in love and walk in light. We are to be people who are filled with the Holy Spirit. We are to be people who submit to one another. We as God's children are to reflect the power of Christ and be filled with the Spirit, showing the power of Christ in our marriages and in our parenting. Kids, in your obedience to parents, you are to show the power of the Holy Spirit. We are to be godly workers, godly employers. We've been given instruction, strong commands on how God's grace will enable us to live lives that please the Lord day in and day out as we're going, as we're living, as we walk this life. And until he comes, we have the resources to do what God has told us to do. But now Paul moves on strongly to emphasize past the dust of this earth into the cosmic and spiritual battle that really, truly does exist. Paul is instructing the church with this, that there is so much more going on than we will ever see. There is so much going on that we will ever see. And as followers of Christ, this is how we are different than the world. We can never say that our challenges with relationships within our homes or within our church are just personal or political problems or social problems. Now, do we have physical and psychological challenges? Yes. But so many of our problems are, in truth, spiritual warfare problems. John Stott said this in his his Ephesians commentary. Beneath the surface, an unseen spiritual battle is raging. You know, people love to talk about their problems, don't they? (laughs) Have you noticed that? In a weird way, I think sometimes it's just cathartic to just complain. And it sometimes brings a false sense of comfort just to know you're not alone with your problem. And it's good to talk with people. But see, everybody wants to talk about their problems without talking about evil, without talking about faith, without bringing spiritual life into it. The world certainly wants to do that, doesn't it? Often, if we even suggest a spiritual cause to somebody's problem, we are called uneducated, we're called naive, we're called silly, we're called a fanatic. And we are those who are just grossly uninformed about the real issues. Try it sometime. When someone says, I have a problem, and you say, your problem is you're separated from Christ. See how that's received. Now by the power of the Holy Spirit, guess what? God is gracious, and that just may be that he is using you for the light to go on, and the Spirit uses those conversations. But oftentimes people just look at you like you have a hole in your head. Spiritual, what do you mean? You see, spiritual talk is often left just for the sentimental people of faith. Those who are enlightened, we don't bring up such things. That's what the world says. You know, throughout history, people have been filled with so much, and I'll say it, demonic, false pride. We think we're wise. When I say we, I'm saying the world. I'm saying us without Christ. I'm saying in our former way. But this is how the world thinks. We're wise. Yet, can the world solve the rampant bloodshed that we see almost day in and day out? Bloodshed in our streets, and sadly in our airports, as we saw this week. Oppression and slavery still strongly exist in our world and even within our country. Humans are treated as worthless. The unborn are not considered alive. We see the breakdown of families. We see a broken world influenced and blinded, as Paul said in 2 Corinthians, they are blinded by the God of this age. We, as God's people, see this and know this. Sociology, psychology, biology, education does not supply and it cannot supply and provide all the answers for man's problems. But man desperately wants to find wisdom on their own and have spiritual problems solved by their own wisdom, which is fake. As God's people, we're different. You see, the answers the world offers, I kind of view it this way. It's like putting a Band-Aid on a major flesh wound. Will you maybe get a hint of help? Temporarily. Any of you ever really gash your finger? I mean, like, it's a gusher. And you put a Band-Aid on there, and the next thing you know, it's seeping out. You're like, oh, that's not going to work. Time for part two. You know, we have super glue. (laughs) Whatever. We wrap it up more. That's what the world is constantly doing. Oh, this will fix it. Uh Uh-oh, it's still a mess this will fix it, it's still a mess. The answer is life in Christ, but man rejects that. As a church, as God's people, we must take into account sin and our enemy Satan as we assess the problems of this world. The enemy is real, the battle is real. And Paul is telling the church about a real and unseen battle. And he's calling us to be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. You know, church, as we finish this book, I don't find it anything but the sovereign plan of God that we are in a passage that reminds us about our battle and about our enemy as we're in a time of transition. And most importantly, as we fight this battle, we need to remember and remind ourselves the victor of the battle is Jesus Christ. Put on Jesus Christ. You see, I've been in church my whole life. I've been active in ministry for over half of my life. Satan loves to sow the seeds of discontentment and the seeds of sin within a church of transition. In times of transition, the enemy, he attacks. And he attacks hard. And he, if we choose to go on our own and say, oh, no, 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 that won't happen this time. We've learned our lessons. And we say, I got this under control. The fire will fall. The storm will hit. Be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on Christ. If you haven't started yet, start right now. Please pray for Pastor John and his family and the transition that is coming. Hit your knees. Pray fervently. Pray for his spiritual growth and insight into God's word. Pray for his love for Christ to grow day by day. Pray the same thing for his family. Pray for all of us. Pray for each of us as individuals within the church that we would be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Pray that all of us submit to leadership. Pray as elders that we submit to one another. Trouble comes And we'll come if I refuse to submit to Pastor John, Pastor Jeff, and Pastor Steve. We submit to one another. Pray for godly contentment with changes, big and small. Prepare your heart. I'm gonna give you a news flash, you ready for it? Pastor John's not Pastor Scott. Pastor Scott wasn't Pastor Jim. I'm not Jeff, I'm not Steve. You're, my style may just bug you to death and you can't wait for Pastor John to get here. I can't wait for him to get here. <laughs> I'm excited. But can I say, if we go on our own strength, discontentment hits quick. Ron did his best to stop at 11 it goes to 11:10 uh, i don't know if i can stay i need to tell 15 people yeah that'll do a lot of good if you're discontent hit your knees and pray don't spread it let's be godly Rely on the strength of God. And if you do not know that you have the strength of God after everything we've gone through, you know, I, I, maybe it's not popular in our flavor of church, but claim it, people. We've been blessed with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. If you have to say that every single day, do it. And then they say, I've been blessed, I'm standing strong on the Lord, and I am not going to yield one inch of sin to the destruction of Christ's church. Because this is a battle. Newsflash, you don't even need to like everything. Do you know I'm an elder? I don't like everything. I don't, I, we submit to one another. You should see some of the conversations we have. Sometimes I drive them nuts. Sometimes they drive me nuts. We, you know, we don't think alike. But we do think alike in this. We strive to please Jesus Christ and to proclaim his word to the best that he has gifted us. Guess what? The bylaws did not divide this church. Spiritual warfare and giving in to the flesh On all areas, no one was perfect in this. Hear me loud, hear me clear, those who are listening. This was not done perfectly because we are men. But it was not new bylaws that caused destruction. It was people not yielding and submitting to the Holy Spirit. Myself included. Because I am weak and I am a man. Stand strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Boy, I feel like I could really preach. <laughs> Friends who are maybe listening, I ask your forgiveness for what we did wrong. Again, please forgive me. Pride is ugly. And when pride hits, churches divide. This is not simple battle Satan loves this. And man, he wants to take an axe to Grace Bible Church. I believe God has plans because he's our victor. Our victory is in Jesus Christ. Let us not give one inch of victory to our enemy. How will we do that? Not by our own strength. But we go to prayer. We fight on our knees. Immerse yourself in the scripture. Let's be excited for what God is going to do because he is going to do great things. So it's not a coincidence that we're studying spiritual warfare right now. I believe in God's sovereign plan. And in fact, I was just kind of in, I didn't sleep really well last night because I was in amazement on how he works. When I chose the book of Ephesians, I'm going to be honest with you. I chose the book of Ephesians to teach because I've taught it three times. It didn't take the hours upon hours of, of extra work. It took a lot of hours, but not the hours upon hours. And yet here we are in a passage that we need to know. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the full armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. And do not be fooled. Even right now, the devil is scheming. But he is a loser when we stand in Christ. Sadly, he wins when we stand on our own. Let's not do that. Christ alone. Amen? Let's pray. Father, you are great. Oh, you are good. Thank you for your sovereign hand on us in our lives. As individuals, you've saved us. You've taken us from death to life. And Lord, we fight a spiritual battle day in and day out. Father, may we submit to you. May we know who you are. Father, may you give us time in your word that continually remind us of all that we have, the blessings that we have in you. We have everything we need because we have Jesus. And so, Father, may we live that way. Father, may we live lives that grow more and more in love with Jesus Christ and who he is and what he's done every single day. Father, may Christ always look so much better than the sin and temptation that confronts us. And so, Father, we run as your people to your word. Lord, we run and ask you, to empower us by the Holy Spirit, through the teaching, through the reading, through prayer, by being immersed in your word. Father, instruct us and guide us and direct us moment by moment, day by day, second by second, so that we will not be ones who yield to the enemy. But Father, we will be a people who stand firm Father, thank you that your word says, as we will be seen, resist the devil and he will flee. You are a great and mighty God. You are our warrior. You have won the battle. Thank you. Because we, apart from you, lose every single time. So thank you for your grace, your mercy, and the victory we have in Jesus Christ. And it's in his great name we pray. Amen.